How does Spock make his favorite dessert? With a jello mind mold. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave An ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave I want a magic pill for all my ailments The health equivalent to Citizen Kane And if I don't get it now in the tablet I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane I want a requiem for my disease So I'm paging Dr. Steve Dr. Steve It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine assholes at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And uh, the perfect combination of brains and bootay, night nurse Evie. Hello, Evie. Hey, Dr. Steve. And our in-studio intern, comedian Cliff Andrews, a.k.a. 49 Cent. Oh, no, your mic. Oh, shit, my fault. Do it again. Now, now you turned it off. To the right, to the right. <laughs> He's fucking up his show already. I'm... There you go. Try it now. Try it now. Jesus Christ. Hi. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you got a question, you're embarrassed to take to regular medical. That's how professional we are. Just, we'll just let that go. We could... We're less than two minutes in. We could just redo it, but fuck it. Keep it going. We're <laughs> That's what it's all about. If something's uh, falling off, go to a doctor. Right. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. That's uh, 754-BEARNIP. BEARNIP. Ooh, that's my favorite, as you know, Nightmare CV. Or 22PENIS. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine, at Lady Diagnosis, at DR Scott WM. Visit our website at WeirdMedicine.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merch store at uh, CafePress.com slash Weird Medicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. So we need to get both of you guys weird medicine Twitter handles. So we yes. get yeah. you guys uh, some uh, some Twitter action on there. So yeah. so maybe by next time. Yeah. It, you just create an account, I'll say, tag I'll WM on it, that. and then that can be a separate account for you. Because I know, Evie, you have a personal account. Yes, I do. But you don't want all these, you know, freaks. No. Knowing all the I rest get enough of, of that on some sites. I know so, you yeah. do. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine. Just, yeah. I cannot imagine being a woman on the internet. I've got to be honest with <sighs> you. Sounds like the worst. It, it really it, it's 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 interesting. So, I, you know, I get unsolicited dick pics. Yeah. Especially, I got one from a guy I went to high school with, and I just opened it up, and he, there was his dick. Oh, damn. Uncircumcised. Uh, it doesn't matter, but... 
Well, 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 it mattered enough for you to mention it. Well, right. yeah. I'm just it saying. Shook you. It shook you. It kind of shook me. I wasn't looking for turtle head at the time, but <laughs> so <laughs> or aardvark nose <laughs> right. if it's uncircumcised. Yeah, but I don't have anything against uncircumcised. No, penises, no, you better. Though. Thank you for saying that because anytime we say anything about circumcision on this show, I get all, uh, it's four days of Twitter onslaught by the intactivists. Yes. So. It doesn't matter to me either or. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call themselves, intactivists. <laughs> Cliff likes to tell. <laughs> it's true. Oh. And they, oh. While we're talking about that, can your foreskin grow back? Um, uh, okay, no, no. Once you've removed it, it, the foreskin can't grow back. Now, there's a procedure that you can do by pulling skin from the shaft forward and sort of uh, getting it to stretch yes. over time because you know skin will stretch when it when you do uh, a uh, plastic surgery procedure like if you're going to cover up a hole or if you're going to uh, for example if you've had a mastectomy and you want to do implants not enough skin there to just shove an implant under there right when you do the surgery so what they do is they put an expander under there and it, with a gentle pressure over time and for the women that have had it maybe not they so would argue yeah. they would argue with the word gentle but uh, you're using a progressive pressure from underneath and the skin will remodel itself and it will stretch and uh, so you could do that with a series of sort of hook-like things to pull the foreskin. But who would want to do that? Well, people who are mad that they miss their foreskin. That their parents, you know, did this to them without their consent. So I guess my boys were going to come back and go. No, most of them won't. And you know, we've talked about circumcision. Hell, I might as well get into it a little bit with you guys. Um, there uh, is some evidence that it does harm. A very small number of people are harmed by it. There is some bene- evidence that it is beneficial to a very small number of people. There will be a, a, a very small number of people that will be benefited by not uh, by reducing the risk of penile cancer and certain um, sexually transmitted diseases if they um, <clears throat> don't have a foreskin. Now. So there's this bell curve. You've all seen the bell curve yes. in school. So at the very left-hand side, there's a little tiny place you can shade in people who have been harmed by a circumcision. And at the very right-hand side, there's a little place where you can <sighs> where you can shade in a place that says people that have been benefited by circumcision. Everybody else is in the middle, okay. you know. So uh, uh, it's for them neither beneficial nor harmful. Uh, there, you know, the intactivists will make the point that it is a cosmetic procedure <laughs> that is done without the patient's consent, and they're absolutely right about it. Yeah, that. because yeah. there is, you know, if there was a a known overwhelming benefit to it, then it would make sense from a medical point of view to do it. But there really isn't. So yeah. it really is. It's a it's a choice. We give the parents the choice to uh, to um, do it or not do it. And then, you know, there's the religious aspect of it as well for, you know, the, our Jewish brothers and sisters um, who, uh, you know, have their kids circumcised as a matter of ritual. And, um, you know, but again, it is, a, for the most part, a surgical procedure done without the patient's consent. Well, I can see, you know, you know, those who have not been circumcised, I hear that, you know, as far as like masturbation, yeah. it's, you know, pretty epic. Well, and what what do they have to compare it against? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty epic. 
Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's totally I don't, fine. I don't know how do they. Now we have a friend who had a circumcision as an adult, and he used to be on this show all the time. We need to get him back. And he had a circum. The, one of the arguments against doing it as an adult was that it was so painful that nobody would do it. Um, and our friend Sam Roberts had a, uh, he had what's called phimosis where he couldn't retract the foreskin and when he'd piss his foreskin would just balloon up that's how tight it was no. and he, then he'd have to squirt it out of this balloon you know at the end of his penis he had a piss balloon and he had a piss balloon exactly <laughs> right and so he said it was the most painful thing for a week he was on the couch well our friend Jefferson had one and I'm not breaking HIPAA he talked about it on mm-hmm. the show uh, they have a new procedure where they sew everything back up instead of leaving it raw. And um, he had no pain whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he played softball the next day. Very next day, yep. So, uh, so that, that right, it was, show it was a bit of a show-off. <laughs> but it, it, that um, sort of li- lays to waste the argument that people wouldn't choose to do it as an adult because it's so painful. Right. So now every kid that's ever had it done as an infant, nobody remembers it. I don't no, remember it. No. I'm sure I cried my ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done, you know, in training, we were had to do circumcisions. And uh, this is, I trained so long ago, it really wasn't a political thing then. And we did um, a penile block on those kids. Now you're sticking a needle in their dick and they didn't like that. But then after that, they'd be just sucking on their pacifier while you're, while you're chopping their foreskin off and they're not making, you know, no noise whatsoever, Uh, no rapid breathing, nothing because it was numb. Um, So I don't know. You know, it's I the activists that come after me, which is hilarious because I'm really more on their side than I am on the on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I I really think it's you know, it it is a a, an issue of consent. And I totally see their argument on that. I do think of what my penis could have been, you know. Yeah, do you? I think about if I still had my foreskin. What could it? You know, what adventures am I missing out on? I don't know. Not lubrication, maybe of taking girls, off. Girls going, what the hell is that? Yeah, you know, it's just. <laughs> I don't have anything against. I, I mean, I used to, you know, my I used to date a guy for a very, very long time. Yeah. Well, and when it's erect, you can't really tell. Yeah, exactly. Because it retracts naturally. It does, and I mean, there's anyway. nothing wrong with it. But I think you know, as growing up, it's just something you do. Right, right, right. No, that's right. It's become a kind of a cultural thing where we just do it. And then I hear fathers saying, well, I don't want to not do it because I don't want my kid to look different in the locker room. Well, if everybody just decided we weren't going to do that, we'd have a whole generation of kids with foreskins and they would all look the same. So, you know, but anyway. But anyway, that's... um, Like a surprise. (laughs) So what am I going to get today? And you get to peel that thing back and there's a treat See what I'm getting. Yes. (laughs) You get a little... Like, little cheese for your uh, crackers. Like yes. opening a Christmas Yes. Yeah, like a sleeve of Oreos. Just really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick phone call here. Um, oops. Uh-oh. What did you say, Take advice from some asshole on the radio. Well, wait. What? Number one thing. Uh, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you, Ronnie B. Uh, area code 954. You're on Weird Medicine. Hi, Steve. Friends. How's it going? Hey, good man. Hey. What's up? Hey. You want a quick phone call, you've come to the wrong one. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's totally fine. Totally fine. (laughs) So uh, my question is actually a two-part question or a two-part debate. Um, I was looking on the BBC a couple of uh, weeks ago, and I come across something, uh, a study that some Cambridge professor come across uh, that linked uh, depression to inflammation. So he's basically saying that 
when you have serious inflammation from some sort of condition, it causes depression and different from the sort of depression that you get with the condition. Have you come across this? Have you thought about this? Is this widely known in the medical well, community? It's not really, uh, but inflammation is the root of all, all medical disease, evil. Yeah, all disease. So it doesn't surprise me. The question is, um, uh, is the de- inflammation causing the depression or the other way around? Now, you know, one sort of hypothesis of depression is that people who are depressed have a deficiency in this these things called monoamine neurotransmitters. That's why we use, you know, the early uh, uh, um, the early antidepressants targeted these monoamine uh, neurotransmitters, and um, they um, and it leads to um, low amounts of serotonin, norepinephrine in the brain. But there are some forms of depression that may be linked to ongoing low-grade inflammation in the body, and that makes total sense to me. Yes. You know, people with bad teeth who have inflammation in their mouth have an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. Yes. And uh, mm. we look at at um, cancer and how the, the real fight against cancer is going to come from the immune system. We, you know, if we have a targeted form of inflammation, so their inflammation could be good, but the inflammatory types of cancer tend to be really rampant, you know, infl- and, um, and angry uh, uh, tor- types of uh, cancer. Um, you know, there was, I think the study that you're looking at was the one in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. And what they did was they looked at 14,000 people between 2007 and 2012, and they screened for depression, had blood samples drawn, and they found that the people had depression at 46% higher levels of a thing called C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammatory disease. Now, um, they were only able to establish an association between the two. This does not imply causation, so we don't know if the depression causes the inflammation for whatever reason, you know, it messes with your immune system or is the uh, inflammation causing the depression. So uh, we know that stress definitely increases inflammation in the body. Um, uh, Exercise probably decreases inflammation, although you could have short-term inflammation of joints if you're, you know, if they get get roused up because you're exercising for the first time in years. Lots of foods, Dr. Steve. Yeah, I wonder how much data there is on that. I, I'm, I'm, you know, Harvard has a list of inflammatory foods. You sure. want to throw some out there? Well, I mean, anything that's that's you know high in fat and low in nutrients is going to be way up the list. High in sugar or high in anything that that, that your body doesn't tolerate. Me, for instance, shrimp. Yeah, you know, yeah. shrimp's going to cause inflammation in me, and it's going to cause depression because I feel crappy. Well, things you know, that decrease foods that decrease inflammation right off the bat. Thing we've talked about in this uh, uh, um, in this studio many times is turmeric. Sure, and uh, tomatoes, olive oil. Olive oil is a monounsaturated fat. Those are that's a good fat. Avocados, fish, tree almonds, nuts, walnuts, berries, yeah. that kind of tree stuff. Nuts, yeah. Hey, I tell you what, Doctor Scott. Just because we're looking at this inflammation mm-hmm. and depression link, mm-hmm. and we know turmeric is a an anti-inflammatory sure. do a, a PubMed search on turmeric and depression sure. oh and now that wouldn't that be interesting we'll yes. just make it make that link mm. right now yeah well can um, i just take a moment to just appreciate the accent i'm just saying oh yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes i'm just i'm <laughs> loving it badass 954 you're south florida 
Uh, yeah, I, I was formerly Mark from London, but we've just moved to to the Miami area. So, oh, cool. yeah. awesome. so I'm now Mark from Miami instead. Cool, Say man. that again. Say that again, please. <laughs> she, you, know, you need to come to the studio. I, I believe yeah. I believe you and Night Nurse Evie could uh, make a go of it right yeah. now. Yeah, we, um, were, we were down there not too long ago in that area. So well, I would just I came it. back from London with my kids, too, yeah. and uh, that was the first trip out of the country. I wanted to take them someplace where they'd feel kind of at home, Yeah, and they really did, and uh, they loved it. I have that. family in London, so in the, all. The, you know, TV London, there London. is a little different. Um, they have a game show called The Chaser. Have you ever heard of this? No. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? Mark? Yeah, the, Mark. yeah the chase. Yeah, it's, uh, I uh, think they're the trying chase. to do it over here as well. Okay, so so they have a black guy on there, and they call him the Dark Avenger. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the Dark Destroyer. The Dark Destroyer, the that's dark it. Destroy. The Dark Destroyer. <laughs> And it is the and we were just like I cannot believe they're saying this. <laughs> so Gosh, okay, the dark here he, yeah. and and here, and with the British accent to it. Yeah. And it's here he is, the dark destroyer. I can't do a British the dark accent. Destroyers just, here. Yeah, there you go. You name for my penis. <laughs> yeah, awful. And he revels in it. Okay, so here we go. Okay, an anti-inflammatory compound in turmeric may benefit those with depression. Researchers are finding mounting evidence that an anti-inflammatory compound in a common kitchen spice might help reduce symptoms of major depressive disorder. So there you go. Huh. Give yourself, Give yourself a, bell. a bill. So I think it's fascinating. I think uh, we're looking more and more at inflammation as a root cause mm-hmm. and surely as a marker of disease. And it'll be... Uh, uh, it does if if the turmeric improves depression in a clinically significant way, that does imply that it's the inflammation causing the depression, not the other way around. Right. It can right. heal cavities too. What turmeric? Yes. Get out of here. I, I've tried it. It <laughs> actually works. How do you heal a yeah. cavity? Well, it, it just draws out the the toxins, I guess, or you know, oh, it just whatever. makes it hurt less. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you still got to fill it. Yeah, cavity, you still right? have to feel it, okay. but it just yeah, I had to you know try it. Okay. On a baby tooth, so yeah. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Yeah. There you go. Cool. I'm, I'm not going to call bullshit on that. I have okay. no data either way on that one. Yeah, so the bottom but, line is anti, antidepressants and or anti-inflammatory diets may help with depression. Yeah. yeah. Very possible, yeah. Um, always so the, uh, don't self medic don't so self treat for yeah. depression. If you have if you have clinical depression, you still need to be followed by a healthcare yes. provider. But anyway, Mark, what were you going to say? So just the second part, which kind of follows on from that, is I've always been fascinated why uh, you know the human body, without any kind of medical intervention, uses things like inflammation to sort of uh, um, to react to injuries and, and diseases. Right. If it's so natural, if it's sort of in our genes, why are we so quick to change it? And the same with temperature. If if you know temperature is there to fight viruses, why are we so quick to reduce temperature? Right. I'm, I'm not really sure what the the thinking is. Okay. So I I, I have. A sort of an answer for you. One thing is, so chronic body inflammation, um, and you're right, we use inflammation to fight off bacteria and stuff when we get an abscess and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, wall it off and try to kill the bacteria inside. So that seems like a good thing. Uh, But um, chronic inflammation kills us when we're 65, 70, 
80, 50, somewhere in there, long past the time when our ancestors had already passed on their genetic material to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors, um, you know, started procreating probably between 14 and 16 sure. and were done by the time they were 20-something because they were dead by the time they were 30. Right. So uh, these things that we uh, look at now, like cancer, and these these are things that are except very rarely our ancient ancestors really didn't have to deal with. These are products of errors that have no evolutionary drive to them. There's no evolutionary drive for me to have a healthy immune system at age 60, right? Because I've already, I'm done passing my genetic material on. So that's why. And uh, now the the temperature thing, temperature does uh, help the body to a certain extent, fight viral infections and uh, to a certain extent, bacterial infections. No one's ever cleared a virus from their body because their temperature was elevated. Right. You know, it may facilitate it to a small degree, but um, that's almost really a byproduct of, um, of, you know, total body inflammation rather mm-hmm. than a truly beneficial cause. So it's, you're not going to prolong any pneumonia or anything by giving somebody ibuprofen for their, for their fever. Right. And certainly the reason, another reason why we see, you know, certainly for me, not Dr. Steve, but, you know, we see people in our, in our office all day long, in our pain medicine clinic all day long. It's all about inflammation. And most of that inflammation is not beneficial. Right. You know, so it's systemic. Um, so, and, and like you said, the evolutionary changes have, have caused us to have more wear and tear on joints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we can keep the inflammation out of those joint spaces, it's a better quality of life. So yeah. that's a that's a big, you know, if if the if the inflammation were helping um, to control a you know you know an abscess tooth or something, that'd be different. It's you know it's to warn us that there's there's an, an infection in a certain area. Right. That's one thing. But you know, when your nose is clogged up and You've got this histaminic response going on in your sinuses because of inflammation. That's not a good quality. Yeah, of life. Allergies is a good example yeah. of that. You know, that's that's a an adverse effect right. that didn't stop our ancestors from fucking each other. Right? <laughs> right? That's right. You know, if they had a runny nose, you know, in the caves, and sorry, nobody, honey, you know, nobody gave a shit. Yep. And so we didn't select against that. Right. And it is sort of a maladaptive response to these allergens or antigens that are in the air. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway. So yeah, that's why. Is that mm. is that a okay. satisfactory well, answer? It was more complicated than I thought, actually, because I, I just thought that there was, like, say, with inflammation, it was just a case of just stopping inflammation from getting too out of control. And the same with temperature. My, my daughter had um, Kawasaki's uh, a little while back. Oh wow! And her temperature her temperature was through the roof, uh, and it continued for a long time. And it took a while for them to actually sort of pick up that it was Kawasaki. Oh yeah. Um, but the um, but the, but the, we kept on pumping a full of the you know the usual acetaminophen to try and drop the temperature. Yep. And so my thinking was, well, if there's a virus and she's fighting it, is that not what the temperature's for? But right. But yeah. So it, it was a bit. I was a bit unsure what the the, the the science behind it was. Yeah, that Kawasaki. How's she doing? She doing okay? Yeah, actually, uh, and I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, she's also uh, a, uh, a tetralogy of Fallot patient as well. Oh, so I remember has, you. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> She has a heart condition, and then she has Kawasaki's, which the major uh, issue is that it can affect the coronary system. Sure, inflammation so of she, the medium-sized arteries throughout the body, but, you know, <laughs> the, there's medium-sized arteries in and around the heart. So, 
Mm. So she she's doing well though. She she kind of came out of it um, with with the right treatment, you know, pretty well, which is surprising. Um, and yeah. so yes, yeah, so she's been clear of it for about a about six months now. But we, uh, yeah, that was a pretty hard time at the time. But um, mm. but yeah, uh, she's she's doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. Well, give her. How old is she now? Uh, she's just about to turn four. That's Aww. right. Because you called in right when she was diagnosed with the tetralogy, didn't you? If I remember right, or soon thereafter. It was, yeah. There was a, there was because I sent a couple of emails because uh, there was a uh, the condition itself was 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 easy to sort of pick up and understand and follow, uh, but the root cause and where it comes from was a bit hard for especially my wife to accept. Yeah, uh, there was a certain amount of um, blame on her part, even though it's completely. Ridiculous, yes. you know. That, that, mm. There's no blame, but but yeah. So it, I, I wrote you an email at the time, and then uh, I think I called in shortly after and discussed it further. Yeah. So. Yeah, I had a um, a friend who was an anti-vaccine person, and then she decided, uh, mainly because of pressure from the school, to uh, vaccinate her kids. And she had five of them. One of them, about a month later, developed type one diabetes. You'll never convince her that the the two things weren't related, right? You know, right. And it's uh, it's the same thing with uh, influenza vaccine. You know, there are certain if you have 100,000 people that are getting influenza vaccine on any one day, well, let's just say 10,000 on any one day. There will be, you know, maybe 100 of those that got exposed to influenza on Saturday and they were going to get it on Wednesday because it's already in their system. They get their flu shot on Tuesday and then they get influenza (laughs) on Wednesday. You'll never convince them that the flu shot didn't cause the influenza, you know. And uh, p- folks who have uh, kids that have a problem like tetralogy, which, by the way, it's t- it's a heart defect. They call it tetralogy because it's four um, uh, four different problems in the heart. One, there's a hole between the lower chambers of the heart. There's an obstruction from the heart to the lungs. And uh, the aorta kind of lies over the hole in the lower chambers. And then the muscles surrounding the lower right chamber are overly thick. And so there's four problems with that. And, uh, um, you know, folks that have a, a kid that has something like that will look to themselves to blame themselves for it. And it's, it's unnecessary, you know. If you have a kid that has fetal alcohol syndrome, yeah, you can blame yourself for that because you drank too much alcohol at a bad time during your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But something like this is just one of those sporadic things that just happens. And, yeah. there's, you know, you can't predict it and you can't prevent it, but at least it's treatable, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. A lot of surgery. Yeah, she's had uh, four surgeries so far, most of which have been uh, cath procedures, which is amazing. Wow, that um, is amazing. She also had, uh, she had MAPCAs as well, which has made it even more complicated, which are those medial collaterals that kind of grow and create bypasses to sort oh, of allow okay. the blood to get to where it has to go. So yep. she's had a condition to close, uh, sorry, an operation to close those. She's had the open heart surgery. She's probably due in the next five years to have a valve replacement. Uh, but to look at her, you would never know. Yeah, she's that's a normal awesome. child. Yeah, she behaves good. normally. It's great. That's awesome. Well, give her our best, and uh, and thanks for calling in. Give us an update, and uh, thanks for calling, man. Yeah, and thank you. Very yeah. stimulating question. I uh, enjoyed the show thoroughly. Okay, thanks, man. Thank you. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hmm. Yeah, if he was here, I think he probably got a, got some from Night Nurse Eve. <laughs> <laughs> she's a sucker for uh I you know, the accent. The I mean, accent. I, I, 
Uh, yeah, the accent yeah. was pretty. He could have got dope. some from Cliff. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Hey, try something once. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know I'm. You know I'm used to the Australian accent too. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's that, true. that turned you out fell great, for that. That turned out real good. That yeah, turned that out turned great. out fabulous. I don't trust anybody from a place where the toilet water spins in the other direction. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't. <laughs> there you go. Now, <clears throat> uh, I can't do any accents at all, but when I was in, uh, like, well, other than the one that we have around here, mm-hmm. which I originally had and then I lost it in school doing a, 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 a radio a, voice, a whole year of losing the accent class. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that technique sometime. Well, you actually um, do say good eye, mate. They do do that. They do? Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Well, I was when I was in high school. We used to have these girls that would call. I went to a boys' boarding school, not because my parents were snooty, but because I lived forty-five minutes from the nearest high school, and oh. it was in a, in the mountains. And I had four miles of dirt road to get to my house, and so this boarding school was really inexpensive, and uh, so, so I was there, and I was there for three years. And during my senior year, these girls would call one of the dorms, and I would put on this fake accent. It's like, "Hello, my name is Sven," and uh, and they were all over that. They just had to talk to Sven all the damn time. Oh my gosh! You know, and it was just the accent. I had nothing to say. I have no game. <laughs> no. You got an accent. You don't need game. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Right. That That's is what your game. Or magic. He's got. Magic. Or magic. Or magic. Dude, a magic with an accent. They're, Ooh, that would be the throwing thing. vagina yes. at you. They're just <laughs> panties are just dropping. Now, just dropping. magic is a really good icebreaker for somebody that has no game. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of magic close-up magic tricks that look like real magic, and that. Uh, that helps me because I can do, I can amaze somebody right off the bat, and then they're intrigued. <laughs> you got them. You've got them at that point. Yes, but, you've but hooked you, them. But you got to be careful. Like Somerset Maugham, uh, in one of his books, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, I remember the quote. Um, and, and they teach this to all magicians too. Um, the the quote is: He asked me, "Did I like card tricks?" I said, "No." He did five. So you never, as a magician, want to do magic for an unwilling audience because it's yeah. not going to go well. Not, yeah. you, you know, honestly, um, that actually can apply to comedy as well. And, and just in general, not necessarily the, the card trick, but just asking the audience a question. Yes. You open yourself up to the answer, no. <laughs> you know I mean? You know, yeah. if you just do it, if you just right. do the trick. Yeah, or, you want to hear me do a song? No. No, I don't. Not really. Yeah, we're good. Oops. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. And then you do it anyway. <laughs> All right, your comedy chops still up to snuff. You've been practicing. I mean, you've been doing some sets and stuff. I've been doing uh, YouTube videos. Oh, you have. Oh, okay. okay. So I've been trying to work on more of like my off the cuff type of. Do you want to plug it? Uh, yeah. Um, if you go on to YouTube, uh, look up rants in my pants. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it is a radio, television, and film review show. Uh, we do a new episode every week. Really? Um, Who are you yeah. doing it with? Right now, I'm doing it by myself, and oh, just okay. friends will come in and they'll help if they're available. But I did a, a Disney review by myself the other day um, that probably pissed you off because it's really kind of some, what would you do? Uh, Frozen? I, well, Frozen's on the list, obviously, because that movie is bullshit. <laughs> um, and I got I got Lion King on there. I've got oh really? Oh yeah, there's oh. some. Oh, I should doing some like real actual Disney mm-hmm. stuff. Oh wow, yep. is this uh, like when if Disney was Ratchet kind of thing? It's it's uh, the worst animated Disney films is that list, but I could definitely. <laughs> 
do something. <laughs> I, I'm open to suggestions. So okay, <laughs> it's uh, been going on for a few weeks. So oh, nice. oh yeah, cool. Okay, okay so rants like R E N T S in my pants. Yep. Okay. okay, cool. Check that out. Rants in my pants. All right, uh, let's take one more and then let's get out of here. Uh, this is gonna be a short one. Um, oh God! My I don't goodness. know if y'all can. The next time Kratom comes up, or if you want to play this, or whatever. Yeah, it's come up now. Um, if you remember, I called you guys. God, it's probably been six years ago now. Oh yeah, I remember I that was using exactly. Kratom to come off of opiates, and I used Kratom for about sixteen months, every day, no breaks, and of course, uh, addict behavior. I kept up in my dose, and uh, suddenly one day, it like switched on me and all the positive effects I was getting from it became negative. Okay. So whereas instead of relief from anxiety, I was getting intense anxiety, uh, paranoia, depression. So I quit it cold turkey and I called you guys back then. Um, yeah. No, and we actually talked about I do it whatnot because I thought I had permanently damaged my brain. Uh, but anyhow, um, I just, I kind of want to talk about it because Fast forward now, I'm on Suboxone, um, which I talked to you about that too, you may or may not remember. Um, and I'm getting, you know, I'm still on it, my maintenance dose or whatever the hell you want to call it. I'm going to therapy and doing all that fun stuff and Good. we're getting ready to start finally tapering me down. Um, but it just, if there's anybody out there that's wanting to take Kratom, whatever, you just, you've got to be careful with it. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm. Uh, I'm with him. Congratulations on your yes. impending sobriety, and uh, for taking charge of the situation, getting some treatment. Uh, uh, kratom, very interesting substance. It is an alkaloid that also hits uh, mu opioid receptors. So there may be some benefit in this stuff. The problem I have with it is. Anything that hits the mu opioid receptor is going to ultimately be habit-forming. And so people are trading one addiction for another. And um, we there are just too many stories of adverse effects for me to be able to say, yeah, I think it's cool that you just go out and do Kratom. Um, I don't like the idea of people treating their addiction by themselves, going to some head shop, buying Kratom, and trying to treat themselves. Just go get help. And uh, there are addictionologists out there that will be understanding, non-judgmental. Go to an NA meeting and uh, get this stuff taken care of. And in the meantime, I'm going to advocate that we do research on Kratom and spend a lot of money on it because this is a, a, a very active molecule that has some really interesting properties that in the future I think we could uh, use if we can standardize its use and uh, synth- you know synthesize the, the molecule uh, maybe modify it to get rid of some of the uh, adverse of, uh, events and uh, and use it clinically. But until then, I can't um, I no, can't it endorse like it. You, you uh, increase the more you increase, the more the likelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Agreed. So uh, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com, tweakedaudio.com, offer code fluid, and simplyherbals.net. And uh, we will see you next week. Check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.